welcome to the Antifada, where unrest is best. I'm Jamie Peck, and I'm here with a many-time returning champion. I'm talking about Leslie Lee III from Struggle Session. Hey, Leslie, how you doing? Hey, Jamie, how's it going? It's going all right. Um, well, I still am a little bit fresh off my trauma from last week. Um, I know we all we all like to talk about work and our labor on on the podcast in the leftist podcast scene and i'm very blessed to usually have what is a pretty cool day job um the majority report but um that really came to an end last week when uh sam made us all get up three hours early to do seven hours of the Mueller hearings i thought that was kind of fucked up actually wow um Yeah. yeah that Wow, that is that sounds like hell. That sounds like um hell. Of course, uh, my co-host uh, Jack Allison, he didn't make me watch the Miller Report. He made his wife do it on his um morning Twitch show, Jack AM, and she did not want to do it, from what I understand. But gosh, um, you wow. just you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Yeah, I mean, not to pile. That's like piling spousal abuse on top of abusive employees <laughs> at the same time. Look, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I'm not saying that i should dock all his pay for this month for him to make up for it but you know it's a possibility you know some people have been saying it wow well many people many people have been saying it that's (laughs) well you know what there is a silver lining to this though and that's that i have been requesting a lot of time off lately to the point where i was starting you know my like uh protestant work ethic capitalist ideology was kicking in and making me feel kind of bad and now I don't anymore. So that's nice. You know what? I actually, I have a day job too. And I actually uh, took a couple weeks off uh, recently. Uh, I used the uh, Family Medical Leave Act because I just couldn't fucking stand going in. Um, and they now this wasn't with any pay or anything, but, you know, they couldn't fire me because I said, because I just said, like, I, I can't fucking do this. I need some time off. And it, like, really refreshed me. It was really great. Um, as pe- as I talk about on, on my show a lot, like, I do I have a day job. I also do the podcast. I also am in school. So, like, it was nice to be able to cut the thing that I spend the most time on and care the absolute least about out of my life for, like, uh, two weeks. And I recommend, if you have the option, um, try it. Hell, yeah. I mean, not using all of your vacation days is just like the biggest scab move and I will not have it. Like if there are vacation days, you have to use them or you're a scab. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Vacation days, sick days, general uh, leave, just take it all and do nothing. Get it um, because you're not going to be able to take it with you when they eventually fire you and replace you with a drone or whatever. Dead ass. So um, before we get into the meat of our episode, I would like to check in on what's going on this week on a website called Twitter.com. Now, <laughs> um, maybe maybe this is a new segment. I don't know. I was watching uh, tool videos the other night with my friend boy, Jamie, when we were both very stoned and the autoplay delivered me to a, a video called... Um, Something like top 10 tool facts by a vlogger named Vinyl Eyes. And <laughs> I was really, I was really getting into it in kind of like a, kind of like a mean, ironic way. Cause it was kind of cheesy, but, um, he brought up the golden ratio, 
which is oh, apparently no. a thing from like Euclidean geometry yeah. or some shit that like Tool uses in their music with their numerology and geometry. I don't know. But <sighs> I thought it was really funny because it made me think about a different kind of ratio, a.k.a. the kind that's being <laughs> applied to our enemies on Twitter all the time. Yeah, I just want to say, like, that's those sighs I was making while you describing this. That's because I knew, as I'm sure many people knew, knew, back in the day on the forums, a tool guy. And by a tool guy, it's not just a guy who's like, you know, likes to like the music as I am. I, I've seen tool in concert two or three times. I like their music. Oh, same. But yeah, but there are tool guys who think that like all the fucking spiral artwork that they put in the background of the shows hold the keys to the universe and dealing oh, yeah. with those people um fucking sucks so like i guess uh that tool guy eventually became he looks kind of young to be a you know og tool guy but you know maybe his dad was a, a tool guy and he just passed it down to him and now he's you know making 20 minute videos about like the background visuals at tool which is just so annoying because manner james keenan is like not that serious a guy if you yeah. uh look up his stuff he's like not yeah i mean i'm sure he has some self-importance to him but like he's kind of a goofball in general and i think the band kind of shares that feeling like they pray play April Fool's jokes on their band on their fans and shit so to see people uh. dive deep into the lore and the canon of the psychedelic artwork of Tool is just always so depressing I, oh god there's gener there's multiple generations of Tool guys probably I just thought about that and it made me <laughs> really sad I believe uh, <laughs> he said something somewhere along the lines of um, Tool is not just a band but uh, some kind of journey of mind expansion. So there you go. My tool guy's big theory, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a little blue for the Antifada. We never would talk about it on Struggle Session. We're very pure, never horny boys over there. But mm -hmm. my tool guy's grand theory was that all the talk of the third eye, the third eye was your butthole. And so that all two music is about some form of anal play. Interesting. Leading well, to, you know, heightened consciousness. Wow. I'm going to I'm going to add that one to my list of important tool theories. Maybe he should do a follow up to his video. <laughs> that seems like it might pertain it might make it into the list of top 10 tool facts if it is in fact true <laughs> also i do want my show to be a safe space for horniness for anyone who you know feels the need so i i really appreciate you um trusting me with that oh thank you so let's see speaking of the golden ratio okay here's a new segment that i just made up called the golden ratio um i checked in because I was like, all right, we should have something cute to talk about before we talk about the movie, right? Um, checked in on Twitter today to see who is currently the recipient of the golden ratio, which now makes me think about butt stuff too, which is <laughs> another interesting valence to this that I've uncovered with your help. Um, <laughs> and it is one Kamala Harris. Um, yes. I don't know if you saw this, but she announced, she, she did a tweet Oh, did she do a tweet yeah. um, where she said, and I quote, Yesterday I announced that as president, I'll establish a student loan debt forgiveness program for Pell Grant recipients who start a business that operates for three years 
in disadvantaged communities. So um, are you excited about this plan, Leslie? Oh, God. I saw this first thing in the morning. Just start. I like to start the day off with just something that's just going to extremely upset me, much like Noam Chomsky reading the New York Times uh, mm. first thing in the morning. I uh, and grinding his teeth. I read Twitter first thing in the morning to see if there's something just horrible. And this was a perfect one because, like, before we even get into the details of it and how bad it is, the most the thing that struck me was that this is like on the service level is the exact same goddamn plan Hillary Clinton had Hillary Clinton as you all may remember who lost to Donald Trump why in the blue hell when everyone is talking about you know student loans as a you know free pretty major issue at least for the democratic primary would you copy the plan of the loser of the person who lost that just on that level it boggles my mind. And then people, when I said that, people were saying, oh, no, Kamal's plan is actually worse than Hillary Clinton's was. Oh <sighs> I mean, how many qualifiers do you have to pile on there before it just becomes a sick parody of itself? Like, I counted at least three in that tweet alone. And um, I'm going to guess if you actually try to apply for this program, you're going to find about you're going to find out about a whole lot more that weren't necessarily in that tweet. Like, um, do you have to apply during the summer equinox? Yeah. Do you have to be the firstborn of a firstborn. Like we can't just be letting everyone and their mom be getting their student loan debts forgiven, you know? Yeah. Like they would have to hire more people to process the applications and determine if they you know, are worthy, then they would ever like actually say, okay, we're going to give your loan. Like they're going to hire more, the, the real like benefit who the people who will be able to pay off their loans are the people who will be hired as bureaucrats to process the paperwork, not anybody applying because nobody, there's so few people who are going to be able to fulfill these promises, especially like when you have to do something for three years, you have to run a small business in a poor neighborhood for three years in order to get your loans paid off like even like or not like, all of your loans i think it's like up to yeah, twenty thousand dollars right up to twenty thousand dollars of your loans like who is that going to influence like who is it's just so bizarre and like you know of course just on the base level as, as we as leftists always point out that you know, anytime you are means testing something, you're basically, I, I like to say, anytime you means test something, you're basically giving, you know, uh, Paul Ryan permission to decide who gets it or who doesn't get it basically right because eventually republicans are, are going to be republicans are going to be in power and they're going to be able to you know slice any of these means tested programs up when if you do a universal program it's not so easy for you know when the other guys get into power for them to start stripping away parts and taking them away as we've seen obviously with the big example is social security but when you look at things like food stamps and welfare and when it's means testing when you determine when you're saying only a few people should be eligible for this. It makes it easier for Republicans to say, well, even fewer people should be eligible for this. Hey, look, these black people are abusing it. So we need to tamp down on this. This is a big problem. We need to work on this. But when instead, when you say it's universal and everybody gets it, it's universal and everyone gets it. And you can't just and no Republican come out and just say, actually, I just want less black people uh, to get it, which they can when you means test anything. <sighs> 
Yep, as Sam Cedar pointed out on Majority Report, and as he is fond of pointing out, nobody talks about Social Security queens. Like, as soon as you means test a program, <laughs> it makes it a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Thank. I, I can't take credit for that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> as soon as you start means testing it, it makes it vulnerable to exactly those kinds of attacks. And so, so like, it, and just so, like, of all the things to... Like, because Sanders has a big, bold plan, and Elizabeth Warren has a plan that people are calling big and bold, even though it's not as big and bold. And Kamala Harris is coming here and saying, I'm actually not going to do shit. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it's maybe that's the point that she's reassuring all the bankers and the creditors that she's actually not going to do anything about this problem. Well, in that case, mission accomplished. <laughs> so speaking of things that are bad oh my god that's such a bad segue <laughs> i'm like how do i connect kamala harris to midsummer um <laughs> there might not be a connection i don't know um but maybe we'll see so uh yeah this is once again a one of our rare yet special or special because rare movie episodes wherein uh, I give my take on what I think a movie is about, and then Leslie comes on and tells us what it's actually about. <laughs> well, we are the expert um, cultural cr cr critic um, podcast. Um, we had to recently, you know, put the smack down. Uh, I'm not going to say who is a husband and wife team. Maybe one of them works for the Washington Post. I don't know, but we had to put the smack down on them because they were stepping on our territory. They said they talked some trash about Star Wars and we had to come in and smack them around a little bit because mm. this is our turf. This is our neighborhood. And Jamie, I really respect you. Um, I went the last time I was on the show, I told you, you know, you really need to uh, you guys really need to come to us, the capos in this before you start doing this cultural stuff. And you have. And I really appreciate, it. you know, you're showing respect. And, and, you know, that's always, always appreciated. Oh, well, I mean, of course, you you really you know what you're doing. So I don't know why I would try to step on your territory when I could just have you on my show yeah. and make it better. Like, that seems like a win win to me. Yes, it's a win win for everybody. It would be a shame. If you ever forgot that, just say, <laughs> I will be sure to keep that in mind. Um, so, yeah, this movie, Midsummer, it is the follow up to Hereditary, which was also a very scary, very good movie that I liked a lot um, that some people thought was trash, but I liked it. Um, what? What? Wait, whoa, whoa. Wait, who thought <laughs> Hereditary was trash? Wow. Oh, just like some assholes on Twitter, you know. That is there. amazing to me. When I, as soon as I saw it, and um, and Shannon Strucci, um, who is a real uh, movie film expert, a real horror expert, she we had her on our show to talk about as well, and she loved it. Like it immediately jumped to like my top ten all time horror films. Thought it was absolutely phenomenal very scary very messed up the way he, that that just horrible feeling is gives you the entire time you're watching it that is what horror film is about i don't know how you dislike it i mean i can understand not enjoying it because it's not an enjoyable film but goddamn it's a phenomenal uh horror movie i mean i think so i guess maybe like the messages were kind of garbled to people but like I don't need it to have a coherent message in order yeah. to enjoy being scared by something. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it. I think really the the message, and maybe this is a, a little bit part of um, Midsummer too, is like um, being in relationship with people is ultimately uh, horrifying, and that's kind of the message mm. of Hereditary. All these bonds and familial ties. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that, but you know there is some truth to it. Being tied to other people bring does bring, brings us great joy, but it can also bring us great sadness and sorrow too. And I think that's kind of the message of hereditary and kind of a through line i think that we're going to see throughout aria oster's work all right um that is something i want to talk about more but um before we go on do you have any uh important facts that you think people should know about the circumstances or the making of this movie well, it, we should point out that uh, Ari Aster, and this is what this kind of points to what you should look at when you're watching this film to kind of get the themes and the messages, is that he wrote this. Um, he actually wrote this while he 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 was researching all of the mythology, the Scandinavian mythology for a horror story, um, and then went through a breakup, and this kind of shifted his focus in the film away from the horror elements to this, uh, the relationship element. So I think that's kind of something to keep in mind when uh, watching the film. I did not know that. So thank you. Oh, where do we begin with this movie? Um, <laughs> maybe like your first, uh, just like, did you like it? You know, when I first watched it, I kind of didn't like it. I didn't like, I definitely didn't like it as much as hereditary and leaving the theater i kind of didn't think a lot of it ultimately because i feel like uh and it's part of the reason why i just mentioned like so it's a horror ostensibly a horror film but really it's more of a relationship drama and so i felt some of the horror elements towards the end kind of felt like perfunctory kind of paint by the numbers things i've seen before um that was my first reaction just coming out i was you know i thought it was a you know a good a pretty decent horror film but nothing that really blew me away but on the upon you know later reflection i ended up i think i was thinking about the film a lot more you know during the week uh after it. it's, it's a film that really you know kind of sticks with you even though i didn't really feel that at the time walking out of the theater it kind of stuck with me and i kept thinking about it and going over certain things in my head and having some you know heated debates and discussions about it you know reinforced that so it's definitely a film that you know it, it i definitely I think on second viewing, I might like it a little bit more. And I think it's maybe also a little bit better to think of it less as a pure horror movie that, you know, hereditary kind of is and more of a drama. Yeah. Um, I also think that we shouldn't undersell the comedic aspects of this yes. movie. Like you don't really expect that from a horror movie, but there were some there were a lot of solidly funny parts that had everybody in the movie theater laughing, which yes. wasn't something that I really was expecting. Yeah, yeah, it's got some really funny stuff in it because there's a bunch of kids doing drugs, <laughs> drugs all the time. And so there's really funny uh, stuff. Some people have really praised um uh, Ari Oster forgetting what tripping is really right and I do know for a fact that he does you know trip so um, that's why he got it uh, so right yeah I, I found it pretty realistic um, as speaking as a uh, sometime psychonaut myself um, I was wondering right up until the end like hey what if 
those mushrooms they took at the beginning were really strong and <laughs> that guy's family was totally normal but they were just on drugs the whole time <laughs> so they thought a bunch of fucked up shit happened oh that's the the fl- the switchblade romance um theory i don't know that it, that would have been a possibility and but they took they kept taking more drugs they kept having to take more drugs in order for more stuff to happen i think you know i think ultimately everything in the film happened as we saw it um and just you know it it really did happen um and it was really fucked up yeah probably um man shout out to the hacks and cloak by the way for the soundtrack um it made me remember all over again how much FOMO I had last year when I didn't go to Basilica Soundscape to see the very special Hacks and Cloak and Nick Zinner collaboration that I'm sure was very fucking cool. Yeah, the mu- mu- music in this was really excellent. I would definitely, and I just just want to say, like, this is a movie that you definitely should try to see in theaters if you can. This isn't a wait for DVD yeah. uh, movie. Um, this is a movie you want to see in the theater with a good sound system and an ice cream. Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, seeing it on the big screen was just just like magnified everything. Um, I really liked the bright light the whole time, too. I think that only made it creepier somehow. Like most horror movies are pretty dark, and this was like oh, the light can be terrifying as well. And, you know, speaking as someone who can't sleep unless I have, like, severe, severe shades on the windows, like, that might actually be the scariest thing to me, just bright fucking sun all the time in your eyes. (laughs) You live in that true vampire lifestyle. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Um, I always ask when I'm renting an Airbnb if they have... uh, heavy enough shades on the windows and i probably sound crazy so um yeah sidebar but my friends and i have joked that i should start a website called uh, coffinsandcaves.com for people <laughs> who share my unique set of sensitivities and the tagline of course is we'll leave the light off for you <laughs> that's I good that's, that's good oh thank you thank you thank you I, that's a business idea so don't steal it or maybe we can do it together yes Although I actually um I picked this up from my dad. My dad he can only he could only go to sleep if the TV was on. He could not sleep without the TV um being on ever. So it's kind of the opposite uh problem. Well, interesting. Yeah, I I actually noise doesn't bother me too too much, but light is like get out of my face. <laughs> so, let's see. What about this movie? Um, it made me really glad that I didn't go to grad school because <laughs> it made it look terrible. It made me feel very like extra justified and happy in that choice that I made. Um the the relationship, uh the relationship issue you were talking about is interesting to me because um maybe maybe I'm getting this from Andy, but I feel like a lot of horror movies uh the message is sort of vaguely uh i don't want to say anti-communist but like community is portrayed as kind of a bad thing yes and relationships are with you have with other people are portrayed as full of horror and the message is generally like you can't trust people you can't trust communities Anyone who tries to have a community is just going to end up going down some fucking rabbit hole of horrible shit and you're better off alone, which seems like kind of a 
weirdly capitalist neoliberal message. Am I way off base there? Uh, no. In fact, I think specifically with Midsummer, um, that kind of applies because, again, the Ari Oster's kind of, you know, overall is about, you know, the horror of relationships. But also the genre that this film kind of sits in the subgenre is folk horror. Folk horror is, you know, this collection of horror films that basically um, the kind of genesis of them. I think if you think back, if you've heard of The Wicker Man is yeah. kind of the prototypical uh, folk horror movie. And it's basically like, uh, what if hippies were evil? That's kind of the thing. Like, what if all these, you know, these yeah, communities... What if hippies were evil and bad? <laughs> yeah, like, or, or maybe suggesting that, yes, hippie and youth culture are evil and bad. And this is what those kids who want to go out in the forest and talk about free love and all this stuff. This is what they're really up to. They're just here to destroy anybody who's an outsider, actually. They're forming, like, this community is bad, it's abusive, it's scary, it's murderous, it's psychopathic and that's kind of you know part of the dna of folk horror not necessarily that you know it, it like so in the in some way like the genre is kind of like anti-socialist anti-common communist in its you know making um i don't think that was ariaster's point point uh, when making this film but that's what the tropes of the of this genre kind of lead to they are like basically saying like okay so there's this community out there who you know on the outside seem to all you know work together love one another care about each other um as one group um and the group is more important than the whole and then somebody from the outside from our world comes in and they're brutally murdered um by these people thus proving that um all the peace and love stuff is just a lie and hypocrisy and just a facade and really um they're just a little more than uh savages somebody actually when we uh mentioned to me um cannibal holocaust um which you know so that kind of horror movie, the, you know, Savages horror movie, the only difference between kind of those movies and folk horror the, is that in folk horror, the others, the community are white people, right? Like that's kind of the main difference because Campbell Holocaust and, you know, Midsummer, like they're almost, you know, if you put down the plot points, they're kind of like the same movie in a, in a lot of uh, ways. But the only difference is that you know this community you kind of take it unlike the you know the quote air quotes heavy air quotes sav savages and cannibal holocaust and those type of films in the folk horror movies they're you know usually white people in maybe a slightly backwards community but still you know there's still people who speak the same language who have you know who look like you who uh you being you know the prototypical person the white person who looks like society they just chosen to opt out of it and we conclude from the film that their reasons for choosing to opt out of it probably can't be good and it reaffirms the value of our society by saying oh this alternative that people are presenting is actually you know horrific and dangerous and we should you know stomp it out stomp oh, those hippies out if we uh, know what's good for us yeah or like anyone who tries maybe they do really believe in these ideals in the first place but anyone who tries to make a nice community is going to go down the road to ruin really fast yes like I've yeah, heard kinda... that critique of communism as well. But it's interesting that you say um, 
their reasons for opting out of normal, quote unquote, normal society are not that good. Because I think in this film, it establishes that the neoliberal hell world we live in currently is shit, right? Like we're afflicted with a rising instance of mental health problems, depression, anxiety. Um, You're surrounded by asshole grad students. Like this girl's (laughs) boyfriend is such, he's such a dick to her. She's got no one, right? She's alone in the world basically when this movie starts and all that she has is this fucking asshole boyfriend who like only cares about her somewhat. So like, I feel like it's acknowledging the issues with this, uh, with sort of modern bourgeois society. But at the same time, it's presenting this, um, this cult of people who, and, and like people have argued about whether or not it's like, they're actual pagans or they're like stupid neo-pagans who are like fucking up the rituals and don't know what they're doing. I don't really care. I don't really make a huge distinction between those two things in this context. Um, I think it's very clear that their, uh, their, their traditions make no sense and they're just brutally ruled by these dumbass stories that they tell each other. And I think it's saying like, yeah, the world we live in is fucked up now, but the solution is not to idealize some kind of noble savagery or some kind of uh, pagan past where people were like closer to the earth. Cause guess what? The world sucked back then too. And I wouldn't want to live in a world ruled by myth in the way that these people are. So, you know, the only solution is to go forward um, and try to have a, something better than both of those things. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think Ari was interested in solutions. Um, I think he was mostly interested in the relationship, the people, the um, the two main uh, characters. Oh, what were the names? Um, let's see. There I go, projecting my desire to solve problems <laughs> onto a horror filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. I Danny mean, I and guess Christian. The, I guess I guess I should revise that and say they're both bad. Uh, yeah, there's no solution offered. Um, I'm going to try to offer one because that's maybe how psychologically I'm going to deal with having seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I really I really think, that, you know, he's more interested, even though like everything you said is true. Like he does present like how horrible her life is before she gets there. And the solution for her particular pr- problem, Danny is more horror for it's just horror for other people it's just to inflict the horror on others because kind of the theme of this community is that they share their uh their grief their sorrow also their ups and their downs and so danny is uh by you know getting um her boyfriend and her uh three other people killed um is spreading her horror around and this is the community uh, that she needed um i do but i but it really does come down to that relationship between danny and christian danny and christian they're the so for people who haven't seen the movie i actually don't think i think spoilers are fine with this film unlike hereditary i think you do not watch listen to any spoilers for that film but this film is fine because everything that you think is going to happen happens in the movie um but danny and christian so 
Danny is extremely depressed because uh, opens the film up. She's, you know, dealing with her sister who has uh, severe mental health issues. And, you know, her boyfriend, Chris, she's with this guy named Christian. And Christian is kind of like not really that into the relationship at this point. He's pretty much ready to break up with her. He's just afraid that he might regret it at some point. Kind of a selfish uh, decision on his part to stay with somebody who he's not really that into. And then it her sister is revealed that her sister has killed both her parents. And so like that destroys her. And of course, Christian who should be breaking up with her cannot break up with her. He thinks he's doing the right thing by staying um, with her, even though he doesn't really want to be with her. Um, and that's kind of where the film starts. Now you were saying that Christian's an asshole to her and he's a bad boyfriend. And I agree. Yes. But the prop, but what he, the real mistake he did was not break, breaking up with her in that first scene he does not want to be in the relationship either he's also in an unhappy relationship and so his treat is you know neglectful treatment of her his distancing himself from her it's cowardly and selfish but it's ultimately because they should not be in a relationship with each other and the actor who plays him jack rayner he actually said you know the one mistake christian made was not breaking up with her sooner um it's not all the other stuff is you know just his human reaction to being feeling like he's trapped in this relationship with someone he doesn't want to be with just like she's trapped in this relationship who does with someone who doesn't want to be her because she has nothing else they're both kind of trap uh together unfortunately and this has negative consequences um for both of him more so him than her i would say by the end of the film yeah <laughs> but you know it's both a, it, like a lot of people came out immediately saying oh yeah daniel is right christian deserved it blah 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 blah, blah. i'm like no no this is just two young people in a really awful situation they just shouldn't be together that's really the solution of it with the with them not being together would be the real uh thing that should have happened yeah i agree um people talk about breakups or being alone like it's the worst fucking thing in the world but uh i i tend to disagree with that myself uh it's there are there are worse at least when you're alone and you're lonely that makes sense but like if you're feeling lonely and you're in a relationship with someone that is one of the worst kinds of loneliness that i think exists in the human experience yeah i definitely agree that he should have broken up with her sooner like don't do her any fucking favors guy um i also think it is kind of uh i would lean towards the side of the cult on this one that this uh, ideal of sort of uh, hetero monogamy and the nuclear family that we have in uh, modern culture in liberal society is a damn it's it's a damaging one. It can be very insufficient. It's very insufficient, yeah. obviously like, for her. Yeah, you have this one person who's supposed to meet all of your emotional needs, and like it, that's that's just not how humans are meant to live. No, I mean I hate to make any grand sweeping prescriptions but like the way people used to live uh in pre-capitalist times and even going back to hunter-gatherer times right because i'm reading um sex at dawn right now by christopher ryan where things were much more communal children were raised in common 
it was kind of, it, it was a, a form of primitive communism too, where like, you know, from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs, seems like a much more natural way to arrange human relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of the central argument that the cult is making that like, uh, and you know, the one guy in the cult who pretends to be their friend, uh, Pele, who just, uh, brings them all to their death, um, because he's kind of horny for Danny, I think. Um, he keeps making an argument. Oh yeah. Well, um, he keeps making the argument to Danny that like, you know, Christian isn't really supporting you. He's not holding you in our community. You know, we all hold each other. We all support each other. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. But like, that is not like a, that's not a reason to condemn Christian. He's just like a 25 year old jackass in grad school. Like he is not, he doesn't have the ability, like the trauma that she went through where like, that's something that takes years. That's going to take years of professional help for her to get through and survive. So it's too much for like just one guy to deal with. And I think it's kind of shitty of Pele to be like, Oh, Christian's a piece of shit because he can't do what a community community of 300 people can do like it's not like like that's too much for him to like really deal deal with in the handle like he's not ready for that no one would be yeah fair enough um i feel like we're going to hear from a lot of people who think that christian deserved to die in many horrible ways so i hope you're ready for that oh oh i'm, I'm not scared of the christian haters specifically because um a lot of people seem to miss something in the third act. Um, saw a lot of woke takes out there about how, you know, Danny got revenge on Christian for cheating. He didn't cheat. He, no, he was raped. Yes, he was raped. He was by a crowd of people in a really, yes. but in a scene that was equal parts disturbing and hilarious. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a rape scene um it was it was not you know he was drugged repeatedly to bring him to that point and that's by that point he also probably knows that oh wait they've killed all the other people who came with me i i kind of got to do what they say or else like he it was not you know a consensual sexual act and i feel like a lot of people missed that even though the and the actor he it was actually really sad because they asked him about this at the q a and like were you and people asked him like were you kind of bothered by the reaction people had to that scene and he was like yeah i really was bothered like he was really like like disturbed by like the, like how angry people were at his character for that scene when he the reason he did the full frontal nudity he insisted on it himself is because he wanted to show like how completely vulnerable and scared his character was at that time like how he was not in control of this situation this was something that was being forced on him and people were either you know laughing or blaming him and he was kind of he was legitimately kind of fucked up about about uh the reactions to it yeah, see, guys, sexism hurts men, too. Yes. And I feel bad for saying that scene was kind of funny, but they're like the parts where the they're like, you know, it, it's incredibly rapey and fucked up. But like the, just the culture clash of how uh, sort of a modern man would want to have sex versus how this insane, creepy cult that probably takes community a little too far yeah. uh would would want to do it that that part was a little bit you know to me. the old lady like grabbing his butt cheeks and pushing him forward yeah. like wow 
Oh, helpful grandmother at the orgy. That is an archetype that I did not realize existed until just now. Yeah. Yeah, I also thought calling him Christian was a little on the nose because, you know, we're talking about this like pagan society <laughs> yeah. versus some modern like modern like Judeo-Christian <laughs> to use a horrible term that nobody should use. But this like perverted conception of I mean, obviously, we're not a super Christian society anymore, but like this sort of fallen Judeo-Christian world. Yeah, like uh, and the, the pagans end up destroying the Christian. Um, I guess that's how I probably ultimately I think society would have been better off if that is how it went down instead of uh, uh, the Christians winning. But I digress. Maybe Ariaster agrees, too. I think maybe they're both bad. I'm a little bit on the side of the pagans. I mean, not as not as they're depicted in this movie, obviously, but um, I feel like pagans are going to be really offended and probably already are by the their depiction here. Although I did, Ariaster really did do his research, like all this stuff like that happens in the film are like real rich rituals that you know really happen even like the um vikings tv show on netflix which is a comedy has that same thing where like the old people jump off the cliff that's because that's a real you know uh, ritual that you know come down from history yeah i cannot sign on to that yeah like how, sorry guys yeah how old is you know old enough where you have to jump off the cliff that that's what they asked in the netflix one he's like i'm not that old i don't really feel like jumping off the cliff yet yeah i mean hot take but i feel like it should be up to you when you're ready to go and uh you know i feel like most people at age 70 are still like uh pretty spry i don't know i i'm certainly i don't ever want to die so 70 just seems like way too soon yeah, well, I'm sure if we ask people who have to work in the service in- industry and deal with um, a lot of seven year olds asking to speak to their manager would feel a little bit different. Maybe they feel like, you know, you know, some maybe we move the age up a little bit. Maybe we maybe you just do it at like 60 and like you take a year off every time you're shitty to a service worker. Mm, that's that's an that's an interesting program. I could get into that. <laughs> um, I, I could say more, but I feel like. um the boomers are going to get offended because every time I talk shit and and like, I'm not even, okay. I have often said that um, boomer hatred is the class hatred of fools. So I'm on your side here, but it is sometimes funny to make jokes about how, you know, if we killed all the baby boomers, the politics in this country might change a little bit. Only if we did all that, only only if we did all at once, not you couldn't be in no half measures, only all, all at once before anybody else get any ideas of becoming like a boomer themselves. Just as a warning to Gen X, if we got rid of all the baby boomers, the politics would improve because Gen X would know that they were next. Fair enough. Um, Their politics aren't really that great either. So um, Gen X, consider yourselves unnoticed. Um, But like uh, the killing of the old people really... Like as as soon as that happened, uh, I, I I wrote down in my notes somewhere that this is a critique of cultural relativism, right? Like it has to be. <laughs> you, you, um, I don't know. I mean, because ultimately, I guess I I could see that. I could see that because. But the thing the what I was more struck by in that scene was, was what the characters did and which was nothing like the black guy was like fast mm, fascinating this is yeah. just a, wow this is just a, such an interesting culture i think i'll do my um thesis here i'm like what 
what? I, I, I yelled at the actor who played him on Twitter. I'm like, because he this is the second movie he's done where he's gone in the forest with crazy white folks and gotten killed. And I keep and I asked him, like, why you keep doing this? Eventually, even when you're filming the movie, I wouldn't even go to film a movie with a bunch of emotional white people in the woods. I don't No black person would. OK. All right. So no black person would ever. They had to make him like a nerd and a grad student or to justify because any black person would have probably ran off. This, like as soon when they got there and then the other when um, Pele sees like his brother and his brother says oh I brought two people too black people would have bolted right then like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute why are all these people bringing all these people here why are you bringing outsiders to this little party that you're having this cultural festival they're not grad students they're not studying why are you bringing couples here <laughs> uh, most black people would have bolted right then okay and he stayed and thought it was cool like what the fuck to be fair the londoners were poc as well and they tried to leave a lot faster yes they did they did they were they were smart but even then they still ended up like they allowed themselves to kind of be talked down it's like no 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 like they were you know about to bolt right then but they kind of let themselves you know kind of get you know leave in the morning you know that sort of thing like no no just wait just wait we'll we'll take care of it it's fine it's fine and ultimate and it's kind of funny because in that part of the film like he's also kind of aria is also lulling the audience too into thinking it's fine it's fine because after that scene there's not much violence for like a really long time and the you know the chief the chieftain or whatever she's really good at explaining away how this works and no no it's fine and it's kind of works on the audience too so at that point like you're not still not sure that this is a murder cult of course they are a murder cult but at that point you don't you're you can kind of be if you're going along with the film you can kind of be convinced that oh this is just you know a different culture this is just something that's fine this is just something this is just what old people maybe should do <laughs> uh when when they get too old this is just how you you know this community keeps itself together and we shouldn't be so judgmental yeah i never felt that way during the film but uh i get what you're saying you bring up the behavior of the black guy. What's his name? Josh or something? Yes, it's Josh. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about if there was any racial stuff in this movie. Because, uh, you know, you can blame it on death in June or whatever. But uh, this kind of neo-pagan bullshit has kind of become associated with the far right in recent years, at least in my mind. Uh, so I kept waiting for something racially fucked up to happen to the black guy. And then they just killed him in the exact same way that they killed everybody else. And I almost felt kind of bad for assuming that just because they were super white and super crazy and following some kind of neo-pagan religion with runes and shit, that this these people were necessarily going to be racist. Yeah, so um, that is kind of... So this, I really think kind of like Norse mythology and shit is really cool and all that runes and stuff are cool. It sucks that in the past, just like 10 years, like if like 15 years ago, I like this stuff wasn't, you know, around, but like it's all been t- as far as at least in popular culture, but it's like, is now all like white supremacists. Like I remember 
being on like okay cupid and like everyone every you know if you saw so, a woman who was really into norse shit she would also have in their profile no black guys or shit like that you know white solely mm-hmm. like it like i don't like it just it's come up i feel like i'm sure it exists in europe but like in our, our lifetimes it's hit america where like all the cool norse shit is just like just means you're a white supremacist and kind of fucked up um but this society doesn't really um have that they seem very egalitarian about murdering people now they didn't have any black people there and they didn't seem to like be going out of their way to bring the poc into the community they didn't seem to make um danny the same offer that they made the others i don't know maybe oh no they did they also didn't um rape any of the black guys right to get their seed like because they kept saying that they need to bring yeah. blood blood to the community yes. but like if they had done that with any black people like i think it would be fairly obvious yeah like so that yeah so that then maybe that's a little bit of a tale that they didn't try you know to bring in they didn't try they didn't try to rape josh i mean what was wrong with him like why wasn't he a suitable forced um partnering with the girl i don't know it like mm-hmm. but they but the girl was thirst the other girl was thirsty for like um the jackass guy mark like he had a little girlfriend there but the black guy didn't um so i don't know maybe maybe that was it maybe that was the racism there they don't allow for interracial um uh, romances that that seems plausible yeah cuz they were all so so white so very like, white <laughs> they really they haven't even brought in any italians very clear <laughs> oh so let's see what do we make of the ending Um, of the movie i really liked it i was kind of rooting for it the whole time even though that was pretty fucked up (laughs) but uh i just couldn't help it i was like oh she found her family she's home yeah um so the ending was was what it was what uh, like i i like i said i still do think it's kind of like a paint by numbers of course that's what happened she survives she finds her family she finds what she needs and she sacrifices what she had um before in order to give it all of her her boyfriend and his friends all get burnt um up in that um in their little temple, like the little Harvey Weinstein, uh, not Harvey Weinstein, Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein uh, temple that they had out there. Oh my God, the bear. Yeah, in the bear suit. Like, yeah, I, I it, maybe she heard, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to digress, but maybe uh, she, maybe uh, Ari Aster heard that people were um, a little confused about why the dog got to live in hereditary and just really wanted to twist the knife with the bear. <laughs> yes, thing. that poor bear, because we got to see that bear a little bit earlier and then, and you know, I f- I feel sorry for the bear. Like, why they had to kill the bear to burn the guy up? Like, I'm sure you get a bear, a reasonable bear suit on Amazon out there. Like, maybe not too, maybe not next day prime out there in the middle of nowhere. But they probably could have gotten a a bear suit if they were just gonna burn it up. Right. I'm sorry. I totally interrupted a much more important thing you were saying. Um. Yeah. Just um. The you know the ending. It felt kind of perfunctory kind of obvious how it was going to end but i still thought you know overall the visuals of that last act were for the most part really effective and kind of haunting the music was really well done like i i generally i i I like uh the ending i felt overall like so ariaster said that you know he became the least he was least interested in the violence and the horror when making this film and that kind of 
you know, bears itself, <laughs> bears itself out in the ending. In the ending, yeah, it just they weren't like there wasn't any, you know, anything super violent or fucked up that you see during that last uh, last couple of minutes. Like there is in Hereditary, where he's just, you know pounding you over the head with this like really creepy fucked up stuff where you you know you get the protagonist decapitated you see the fucking decaying head of a child like all this you know really like fucked up stuff in the end of her it's a lot it's a lot to take in while this film does it doesn't end on such you know a bombastic you know horror horrific note it's just kind of um, but I, overall, I, I, I just felt like, you know, what we needed, what I might needed is to see, you know, what happens to Danny, because I think, you know, there's not, she was the May queen. She won that little contest to become the May queen, but there weren't, yes, queen. yes but there weren't any other May queens running around, right? She never met any former May queen. So I want to know what happens to her. Like, I would like to see like, um, uh, you know that um, like I would like to see like what fucked up stuff they have reserved for her as the May Queen. Like maybe <laughs> I, I like because they did like some really weird stuff uh, to the bodies. I just wonder if they would uh, like if she's the May Queen. Of course they would do the same thing to her. Like her body is now part of the community, and now they're gonna you know like maybe I don't know skin her alive and turn and turn her into something or have all the, all the other uh, girls in the village uh, eat her alive or some shit like that some really fucked up like i thought that would have been like a more while she's still smiling because she's still high and happy and all that stuff i thought that would be like a kind of cool image to end the film on but we don't really see um her fate yeah i mean the way they leave it it's pretty ambiguous what happens to her but it seems like it's a happy ending for her and maybe now she's gonna become some sort of uh leader to the degree that they have leaders in this fucked up society yeah. like she's t- she's gone fully native you know yeah, she has but when you know i i just i don't try i don't think trust them like i didn't see anybody walking around without those accents you know they they seem like yeah. a very you know tight-knit close, close community and they're bringing in they bring in sometimes new blood but they mean that literally they just bring in the blood and the skin and the flesh every, like your your soul gets uh, sent away when you become part of that community because they're ripping you open so i think yeah. yeah like yeah i i just thought about this a little bit more like if they really are trying to kind of interbreed with outsiders so that they don't get too inbred they seem like they're doing a pretty bad job yeah <laughs> Yeah, like who knows? She and like they're not big on having a bunch of kids. They plan when they're going to have kids. So if she has, you know, one baby, then they might be done with her and that's it. And like they, they might not even want that from her. Like I don't think ultimately and I don't think uh she Danny lives long enough to jump off the cliff. Mm. You're probably right, but I am still going to think about it as a happy ending for her cuz I want to. Who knows? Maybe maybe there'll be a midsummer too where we get to see the continuing adventures of Danny as she, you know, lives, loves, and laughs in this uh crazy neo pagan cult. Maybe it'll be a sitcom. I don't know. <laughs> Midwinter. Yeah, we can see like her budding relationship with uh Pele, 
We can see who's the uh, worst person in this film, by the way. Oh, yeah, he's terrible. Uh, we can find out more about that creepy redhead girl that put the pubes in Christian's uh, Christian's pie or whatever. I kind of I kind of want to know more about what she's got going on. And of course, the helpful grandma at the orgy. Like, what's her deal? Yeah, I, I can imagine. Like, what do they do? Like, I they must live fairly normally during, you know, when they're not murdering people, I assume. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there could that could be like a sitcom. Maybe they'll do like a network, you know, spinoff of Midsummer, where it's just like a comedy show. Well, they claim that they only do this ritual every 90 years, which seems like a pretty good deal if the rest of the time they're just living in perfect peace and harmony, right? Like, uh, people, if, if we could stop in the first act of every cult movie when everyone's just, like, getting along and having a good time, like, that would be amazing. Yes, yeah. I think the, I think the 90 years thing, though, is kind of a lie. I think that's a, a lie. I mean, you don't get that good at murdering people if you only do it every yeah. 90 years. Yeah, they seem like they do it more often than that. Yes. That's actually a good point. Like, what what else is Pele lying about? Fucking everything. Yes. That's how he, and they don't know because they can't read the room. Yeah, that's how he got his friends to come. Like, oh, no, this happens only once every 90 years. You have to come with me until the middle of nowhere, Sweden. You have to. It's only once every 90 years. <laughs> don't want to miss out on that, right? Yeah. And, you know, people don't live past 70, so... Everyone only gets to experience it like once at the most. No, they had all those lyrics memorized. Yeah, no, that they were good at. They practiced. I feel like that's like pretty much all they did. Yeah. <laughs> seems like in that village. Yes. So, um, I really want to appreciate for a second some of the memes that people have come up with as a result of this movie. I don't know if you have a favorite, but I really enjoyed. Um, the image from when she's like crying and freaking out and they're all doing it with her in a way that was like, uh, I was so conflicted by that scene as a communist. Cause on the one hand I was like, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. We all share each other's pain. And then the other, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> but someone made a meme of that that said something like when someone tells me that Sweden's a socialist country and it's just all of them going, <laughs> like, yes, that is how I too feel when somebody says that about Sweden. <laughs> That's funny. Also, my friend Neural had a very spicy tweet that I retweeted before thinking better of it and wondering if that was in a bit of poor taste. And the answer is yes, it is. And also that it's funny. Um, let me see if I can find it. Where did it go? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it says, what a banner year for Boris Johnson. First prime minister and now getting his very own paintings translated into the rune book. And it's just a picture of the kind of, uh, shall we say, super inbred person who is the, the prophet. Yeah. that's And that is one thing I didn't like about the film. Like a, a character didn't really do anything and seemed unnecessary and just seemed like another like very tropey oh people with you know physical you know impairments are evil kind of thing but like yeah. you didn't really do anything with it you could have just left it out of the film Ari. yeah it seemed a little uh shall we say unwoke i don't know a trope that might be best left in the past of horror movies and i, I was actually talking to nero about this because i was like Oh man, I retweeted this and I don't know how I feel about it. This is just like a day in the life of a poster, right? And 
in his defense, he showed me a photo of Boris Johnson from his youth where he looks a lot like that character. Yes. And I was like, oh, no. Yes. But he's evil not because of how he looks. He's evil because of who he is on the inside. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would prefer to think of the comparison as like, oh, these are two products of an evil society that has been doing evil shit for years and, you know, reproducing itself expressly for the purpose of continuing to get more and more evil. If anything, you know, the argument can be made that just anyone who's blonde is evil. I think that's probably more, you know, accurate uh, thing to say. Yeah, I'll, I'll co-sign that. Well, I think that is a good place to leave it then. Um, I look forward to getting a bunch of messages from people telling me that I am a racist against uh, the blonde Aryans of this world. Um, bring it on. I don't really give a shit. Um, what, what do you what do you think about all this, Leslie? Um, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I think, you know, it's very consistent. We've seen throughout Ariasu's works, um, blonde people are evil. Um, they come from um, Paimon. Um, and that's who uh, created them, along with uh, Dr. Yakub, uh, the evil mad scientist. And, you know, these are facts, folks, and you just have to accept them. Man, I feel like uh, Hotep Ari Aster is a Michael Brooks character <laughs> just waiting to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that's about good for our episode is there anything you would like to plug uh yes check out struggle session at patreon.com slash struggle session hell yeah um also check out the antifada at patreon.com slash the antifada um i know you guys have five bucks a month to give to me and to give to leslie um but if you don't uh if you really don't and you want to get our awesome bonus content as always you can email Antifada mindset at gmail.com and we will work something out. So thank you so much for coming back on our show, Leslie. Um, it's always a pleasure and I hope we get to do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Watch out for those blonde devils. <laughs> <laughs>